During the month of December, we have been walking through Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, remembering the story of redemption, of how Ebenezer Scrooge starts off as a man who is restricted to cons the concern, sole concern, of how much money he can make. He is a miser, he is a hoarder, he does not care for others, and he certainly does not celebrate Christmas. His story opens on Christmas Eve, and we see his clerk, Bob Cratchit, shivering in the cold because Scrooge won't pay for enough heat, enough coal to heat the office properly. And things just go downhill from there. His nephew, Fred, comes by to wish him a Merry Christmas and to invite him to his house for Christmas dinner. And Scrooge looks at him and yells, bah humbug, and sends him on his way. He is so scary that a young caroler who stops by also runs off before he gets very many of the words to God rest ye merry gentlemen out. And two men come by his office seeking aid for those who are poor, who don't have the means to celebrate Christmas well, who don't have the means to live well. And Scrooge tells them in no uncertain terms that the only institutions that he is willing to support are workhouses and prisons. And if the poor can't go there, then they better they would be better off if they died and decreased the surplus population. Bah humbug, indeed. But then Scrooge goes home and goes to bed, and he wakes because his former business partner, partner Jacob Marley, who has been dead for seven years, appears and warns Scrooge that he is wearing a link of chains that he cannot see himself, but Jacob, he can see, has links wound around him, and he tells Scrooge that these links were forged by his indifference to the suffering of others, that every time he passed by someone and could make a difference and chose not to do so, another link had been forged. And he warns him that the link of chains that he wears are even more monstrous and are longer than the one that Marley wears because he has forged them for the seven years that Marley has been dead, that they forged them together when they were in business, but now Scrooge has continued to forge them. But Marley tells him, don't worry, well, didn't really say don't worry, but he tells him he's going to get three guests that night, three ghosts that are going to show up and provide him with an opportunity to repent, to allow himself to be changed so that he can live life anew. Well, Scrooge wants to dismiss this and thinks, I must have had a bit of undigested beef. I really didn't encounter Jacob Marley, my business partner, but as Marley foretold, the three ghosts come. They are the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and they shake 
Scrooge out of his indifference to the world and leave him desiring to make amends, to be the person that God created him to be. And so when he wakes on Christmas morn and he throws off his stocking cap, he cannot believe that he is still alive and that he has another chance, chance to make amends. And he cries out, I will live in the past, the present, and the future. As he scrambled out of bed, the spirits of all three shall strive within me. Oh, Jacob Marley, heaven and the Christmas time be praised for this. I say it on my knees, old Jacob, on my knees. I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I am as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy. I am as giddy as a drunken man. A Merry Christmas to everybody. A Happy New Year to all. And then he races out of the house, not content to just say these words, but to show the world that he is a changed man. The very first thing he does is he sees a boy and he sends him off to buy the biggest turkey that there is to take it to the Cratchit's house. The ghost of Christmas present had allowed him a glimpse of the Cratchit family celebrating joyfully over a small goose. There was not enough for seconds for anyone, but they were happy and content with what they had, and he wanted to send them this turkey anonymously so that they would be able to feast in the days ahead. The turkey is so big that it can't be carried to the Cratchit's house, and so this miser, who has not willingly parted with any of his coins, suddenly pays cab fare to transport that turkey to the Cratchit's. He then sees one of the men that he had turned down, told him that the People were surplus and should just go ahead and die. And he wishes him a Merry Christmas. The man, of course, is absolutely amazed. And he whispers in his ear how much he wants to give now. As man's eyes grow wide, Scrooge says, Oh, my dear sir, I have many years to make up for. It is like Zacchaeus who encounters the Jesus in the gospel and scrambles down from the tree and says, I will give away half of all that I own. And if I have defrauded anyone, I will pay them back fourfold. This is the spirit that now inhabits Scrooge. After that, he goes to Fred's house, shocks him and his wife, and celebrates the Christmas meal with them. The next day, he goes to his office, and Bob Cratchit is 18 and a half minutes late to work. Scrooge musters up his old self and begins to scold, and Bob is quaking in his boots when Scrooge says, oh, come in here. I want to talk to you about giving you a raise. Now, at this point, Cratchit thinks briefly that Scrooge is mad, and he wonders, Dickens writes, if he should go get the men with the straitjackets to confine Scrooge, because this is not the man with whom he has worked for this many years. But Scrooge continues and says, before we have this conversation and we figure out how I can assist your struggling family, go get another bucket of coal, because we need to warm this office. Cratchits are absolutely amazed. 
and Tiny Tim, who would have died if he had not had the assistance of Scrooge to allow him to have medical care and nutritious food, lives. And the story concludes, it was always said of Scrooge that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that truly be said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Scrooge finally realized that God wanted to work through him and that his role in life was to be the answer to the prayers of others as he had the means to do so. I don't think it's that much of a stretch to think that Scrooge, were he to have been a real character and died and gone to heaven, would have heard Jesus say, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. The good news for us today, friends, is that God wants to work in and through us like God worked in and through Ebenezer Scrooge to redeem him and to transform him. That is part of the miracle and the mystery of Christmas that, as I said last night, I get to proclaim. How will we allow God to work in and through us? That is the question before us. Now, you may and may not know that the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, never preached a Christmas sermon because when he was alive, Christmas was not celebrated in England. Puritans didn't want to have that holiday celebrated because they thought it would be sinful and lead to excess. And although Wesley never preached a Christmas sermon, I do think he provides us with a framework of how God works in our lives, beginning with Christmas. There is this concept of grace that Wesley talked about so much, beginning with provenient grace, all of the ways that God tries to get our attention to say, I'm here, I love you, I want to be a part of your life. Hey, over here, it's never too late to turn to me. Provenient grace functions in our life the way that Jacob Marley and the ghost functioned in Scrooge's life. But God is always reaching out to us, always trying to get our attention. And then there's justifying grace, where God puts us in right relationship through the gift of Jesus Christ. That is the gift of redemption that Scrooge experienced, maybe not explicitly, but of one knowing that he was in right relationship and had the opportunity to accept the forgiveness that 
God had extended to him. And then for Wesley, there is the work of sanctifying grace, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives to open our eyes to see the plan that God has for us and to allow us to see the needs of others so we will not walk by in ignorance as Scrooge did for so much of his life. Truly, the same opportunity is before us today that was presented to Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, and the choice is ours of whether or not we will respond like Scrooge, whether or not we will allow the spirit of Christmas to so permeate our lives that we will cry out, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A Merry Christmas to everybody. A Happy New Year to all the world. God bless us, everyone. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for loving us so fully. We give you thanks for coming to us. And we ask today that you would wake us up to the wonder and awe of your possibilities for our lives. Wake us up as those, to those things in our lives that we must let go of in order to keep Christmas well. May we be those who allow you to love others through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends,